0: what's up guys and welcome back to another episode of the tech in shanghai podcast my guest today is alex duncan co-founder and ceo of kwo and now alex was actually the very first guest uh, we ever had on the show over three years ago so we recently had the national holiday in china i had some time and i thought wouldn't it be cool to hook up with alex again and just have a chat about what the last three years have been like so we got together um talked about of course the work that he's done with his company Kwo over the last 3 years building a stronger product service and team and the ways in which he's done that uh and of course we also comment on the the change in the landscape in the industry over the last 3 years which has been uh, quite extreme you know now a lot of these large chinese companies are not only uh, significant players here in the local market but of course are beginning to exert influence abroad uh, and changing the tech landscape and of course the narrative of the the Chinese tech story has gotten a lot more press in the last three years. And, you know, a lot of investment, a lot of major companies coming out of here, a lot of innovation. So very exciting time. And I thought, why not reconnect with Alex to get his uh, observations and viewpoints on this kind of stuff. So without further ado, I give you the very first guest of the Tech in Shanghai podcast, Mr. Alex Duncan. Welcome to the Tech in Shanghai podcast, the Pearl of the Orient. Shanghai is the city of the future. All systems go full steam ahead. It never stops. Technology, innovation, ambition. It's everywhere. Join us as we explore this new world and talk to the people making it happen. The Tech in Shanghai podcast. The future is now. I am here today with Alex Duncan. He's uh, the co-founder of KWO. He was actually also the first guest that we've ever had on the show. And I always remember you calling it the inaugural episode at the end of the first show. And uh, I remember it fondly. And so it's been over three years, right?
1: Yeah, it's been three years. Yeah.
0: So prior to the show, and uh, Alex and I were just talking about, uh, in preparation for this, we listened to the episode that we originally recorded. Oh and my we, God, we yeah, had, that was painful. Yeah, and <laughs> we had I had br- braced myself for a lot of cringe, you know? I, I thought the first one, everybody hates the sound of their own voice, this is going to be ugly. It wasn't that bad.
1: It wasn't too bad. You know, I didn't think bad. it
0: was too... For a first go, you know, both of us, I don't think yeah. you had too much experience on podcasts. I had no idea what I was doing. It was okay, right? Yeah,
1: it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. Yeah.
0: Um. Now, at the time, I think I was much more like let's give the audience a idea of what's happening in the tech world in yes. in Shanghai and China and I still want to do that because your you know everything you've been doing here since that time actually the tech industry in China has you know grown by orders of magnitude and has become much more influential on a global stage and much many more international companies are trying to get into China and that's you know a huge part of what you guys are doing a cable so I do want to break into that um, and kind of get your your opinion on the social media market and how people kind of storytell in this market particularly foreign brands um, but I kind of do want to continue the conversation that we were just having before the show so we were talking about, in the first episode, you know, China, it's exciting, we love the energy, mm. blah, blah, blah. Here we are three, three years later, and I think we both have somewhat different feelings about our time in China. So why don't we just, you know, we'll get into uh, a couple things later, but why don't we break into that now?
1: I mean, I guess one of the things which I think probably uh, happened for you as well is that you kind of grew up during this right. time in China as well. Yeah. So um, it's both been... China's been growing exponentially mm-hmm. and also I've kind of been growing up as becoming an adult, maybe eventually <laughs> at some point, at least by appearance.
0: Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah I remember I, I i always tell people that when I first got to Shanghai in cab drivers I'd try and make small talk with them in chinese and um uh, they'd ask me how old I was, and they would often guess that I was like nineteen or twenty and i was twenty three at the time uh-huh. now if uh, you talk to a cab driver about this kind of thing, they think I'm in my forties, <laughs> so in ten That's years in China, line. I've aged by nearly twenty years <laughs> in the eyes of a cab driver, so tells you a lot about my life here yeah um I think one of the themes, um, and actually I, I had a great fortune to speak at WPP Stream Conference mm-hmm. earlier this year. Um, I did a lightning talk, four minutes. You can WPP
0: find it. is a big holding company for, uh, yeah, so they have o- Ogilvy this, and various other agencies. Exactly. The world. Yeah. They yeah.
1: have this conference in, um, Phuket mm-hmm. where they get all sorts of people. I think a third of the attendees are from their agencies, a third of them from clients, and a third of them are random people like me. And so I was very fortunate to get invited. And I got uh, the chance to give a little talk on the first day. And I chose to talk about um, exponential growth. And I would highly encourage anybody that has 45 minutes free in their life to go and watch this YouTube video. Mm-hmm. It's by a professor, Albert Bartlett, um, from the University of Colorado. And it's recorded, I think, in the mid to late 90s. It's VHS quality. It's four by three. Uh-huh. As soon as you start watching this video, you're going to think, what the hell is he recommending me to watch? But the message that he um, imparts in this video is kind of the dark side of exponential growth, you know, in this modern day and age, we're conditioned by almost everything we um, consume Mm -hmm. to think that growth is a good thing, Mm -hmm. but growth cannot continue forever. There are many situations where there is an absolute limit to how much something can grow. And so I try to distill this 45 minute talk down into like a four minute lightning video And one of the, one of the, the the central theme was about population growth, but this situation applies to many different, um, types of growth. The world has a theoretical capacity of maybe 15 billion people. Mm -hmm. We're currently at seven, maybe approaching eight billion. Exponential growth means that there is a fixed doubling time. So that's where it takes the same time to go from two to four to eight to 16 and the world is growing. The population is growing exponentially. The doubling time of humanity on planet earth is roughly 70 years. Mm -hmm. So if you look at it in that way, we are in the last doubling time for humanity on planet earth. Mm -hmm. And at some point within the next 70 years, we have to hit zero population growth. Mm -hmm. And how are we going to do that? Because if you look at the list of things that grow populations, Mm -hmm medicine, sanitation, you know, um, uh, all sorts of things that, um, we, a lot of things we think of as generally being very good mm-hmm. peace. Another thing you look at the things that reduce or control populations, war, famine, mm-hmm. disease, contraception. There's very few things on that list that actually seem palatable. Mm-hmm. And the problem is if we don't pick from that list, mm-hmm. then we don't get to choose it will be chosen for us. Mm-hmm. And this is a rather dramatic, draconian, and, and uh, sort of apocalyptic scenario. Yeah. But we are facing this in many different areas. And going back to your, your previous question, which was about the growth and the change in China, mm-hmm. I've seen this immense drive for growth. But there doesn't seem to be really much um, thought paid to the costs mm-hmm. or the dark side of that growth or where we're actually trying to get to. Mm-hmm. It seems that... Um, the speed and rate of that growth is far more important than the sustainability of mm. what we're trying to build. I was talking to a friend just yesterday about um, uh, the bike-sharing revolution
0: <laughs> that's, that's what happening in China. about when you mentioned that.
1: And, you know, well, last time on the podcast, we talked a little bit about um, the group-buying right. phenomenon, which had just, I think, that wave had just passed three yeah. years ago when we, we sat down to talk. And I'd also seen that as having a very dark side. Mm. Like, there was this genuinely... Potentially innovative concept to try and help small restaurants with their marketing by doing these group deals But what happened was the venture capital money flooded in the market was overcrowded by these companies and they basically the whole thing imploded um, And it wasn't able to for fi- It wasn't able to find a sustainable business model And you look at companies like Groupon today their share price is cratered, you know, mm-hmm. they're kind of on their last legs yeah, and I'm worried that we're going to see the same thing with things like bike sharing. These companies are loaded through the roof with venture capital. Mm -hmm.
0: There are, and you see parking lots in, in like the outskirts of Shanghai, forget the fact that the sidewalks are completely rammed with them, but you see parking lots on the outskirts that are just mountains of, of these bikes that have been removed from by, you know, government policy or whatever.
1: Absolutely. And, I mean, there's a, there's a number of ways this is upsetting, and I'll, I'll try and not drone on about <laughs> it forever. But you know, one of the things that really confuses me is: first, we had Mobike, hmm. then Ofo came. Then, what was in the head of the guy that said, three, "I'm going to, yeah, eight, eight, three, four nine, five. Ten, eleven"? And when we get up to like twenty or thirty, what are you possibly thinking? Yeah. The only thing I can assume is these people have some very short-term, um, uh, in like. M- in very money focused incentive to try and raise some money right. and some of that and hopefully going into their own pockets, they surely cannot be thinking I want to build a sustainable business that helps transition you know, China towards a more sustainable way of moving them around. Because if, if that was genuinely their objective, they'd go and work with Mobike. Yeah. They'd go and work with Ofo. And they'd be part of the companies that are trying to shift that. Mm-hmm. And I find this incredibly upsetting. Because something that really should be having a positive impact on some of the, the most serious problems in our time, which is sustainability, health, yeah. fitness, all of these challenges, is being ruined by this very incentive to grow. Mm -hmm. Why does it need to be so aggressive and vast and Mm. ambitious? Why can it not grow more slowly, sustainably, and hopefully end up with a sustainable business? The stories I hear from inside these companies is they're being torn apart by politics and infighting. Money is being wasted left, right, and center.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And you think this is just no way to build a business.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm inclined to agree with you about... Bike sharing company two, uh, three, four, five, six, like you know, I I think they just see a hot opportunity, raise some money, line my pockets, and then die, which is what has happened to most of them. I don't know if they've lined their pockets, but they've certainly died, you know. Um, and I'm I'm of two minds about this. One, you know, the the carrying capacity of the Earth stat that you mentioned, fifteen billion, et cetera. I think that's calculated based on how we currently do things, right? So I'm I'm optimistic. And because what's the alternative? This is what I always come to. Like, And I, I think I had this conversation with someone recently, but when I first went to university, right, out of high school, I had done a year in Japan, and I came back, and I went down that dark rabbit hole of figuring out how the world works, uh, and it, you know... There's two ways of looking at it. There's that way where you know large corporations exert influence all over the world to the detriment of the environment and yeah. to the you know financial enslavement, da, 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 all that kind of stuff, and that sucks. And you 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 get a feeling like, oh my god, like how is this going to work out? And I just found that you know after a while, I I can't operate in that space. For sure, it, it, yeah. it inhibits me so much that I just I'm I'm paralyzed. Whereas if I if I put my focus on the things that are beautiful and good and positive about what's happening, then I'm, I'm much happier than I'm much more engaged and I get involved in it. So in this particular case, I mean, I'm not diminishing the, the the magnitude of the challenge whatsoever. It's enormous. We have real issues confronting us. And there's so many things that could give you cause for, you know, losing hope, you know, yeah. environmentally and all this kind of stuff. But also, and, you know, it's been one of the great benefits of doing this this podcast is I come in touch with so many, you know, inspired people, positive people, innovative, creative people that are doing really cool things. Now, they're not completely free of some of those human drives that make us be greedy or make us be competitive and this kind of stuff. But it's I can see it kind of shifting. And, you know, for example, Earth scale, if we can have free, clean energy we can have wireless energy which is something really cool that's mm. happening now if we can have um you know sustainable building methods and this kind of stuff maybe we can start turning the ship in time right and, yep. and the, yeah the 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 analogy that i i often give um which gives me i guess some comfort is i i kind of look at where the world is and where it might be going as kind of a childbirth process right so in labor, you know, when a woman is giving, is in, is in childbirth, is in labor, um, it's a very stressful ordeal. I mean, she's in a tremendous amount of pain. Her physiology is going crazy. You know, you know, sometimes brought to the point of, of death. Um, and there's, you know, blood and it's messy and all this kind of stuff. But eventually the baby comes out and God willing it's, it's healthy. And the physiology of the woman comes back to normal after some time. And so even though it was incredibly messy and uh, stressful and risky process, the end result was the creation of life. And both organisms survived. And again, this is just in my head. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's We all have to find a way, a philosophy to help us orient ourselves in the world, especially sure. if we're going to tune ourselves to be positive and and contribute in some way and for me that's it like I can see the carnage and waste in the world and the ways it's being brought to its very brink of of failure and I'm just hoping that you know acting within that people are going to turn it around in time
1: and it's interesting because what you're (laughs) kind of I feel like what you're what you're sort of alluding or pointing to is something we started talking about just when we first sat down which is about mental health right Mm, yeah it's very easy for us to be sat here and to kind of take on the, the problems of the world into our own daily lives. But actually if we are going to contribute meaningfully, yeah. we have to find some way to stay positive, to stay focused yeah. and to stay centered. And, you know, going back to what's happened with KWO in the last three years, obviously I'm here to shill for the problem, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, <laughs> a lot of, a lot of the challenge I've faced has often been um, trying to ride out those waves of challenges. Yeah. You know, they say that, uh, in any kind of company's growth and journey, you feel like there are a dozen points when you could have, when the whole thing could have come crashing down. And that's yeah. definitely been the case with what we've been doing. And pushing through and keeping going um, can be an immense challenge. And yeah. a lot of that is about mental health. A hundred percent.
0: Well, let's hang out here for a sec because I wanted to ask you about this. And it's it came to my mind, and actually, you know, talking about the failure of the earth, you know, I watched Elon Musk's big unveil like a day Rocket, or two ago, yeah. you know, it's colony on and all this Mars. <laughs> kind of stuff. So maybe we'll have a little back door there. But, um, I, I was thinking about in relation to him, but I, I've always asked, you know, a lot of the guests I've had on the show the same question. And I think it's kind of along the same vein of what you were just referring to. But, you know, I'm not an entrepreneur, so I don't like have to grapple with this to the, the extent that, that you do. We all probably do a little bit in our day to day lives, but how do you balance, um, the necessity to push and grow and actualize your potential and keep up with the market and innovate in a way that, you know, sustains the business, keeps clients happy, grows at a rate that you or your investors, et cetera, are expecting? So how do you keep that top of mind and keep pushing for that, but understanding the pace that you have to go to maintain, you, you know, a mindset that allows you to complete the work that is necessary to actually get there in the future. You know what I mean? Like, how do you balance just the go, go, go with the, no, actually this particular task is going to take three months to complete in, in the way that we want to. Yeah. The kind of push and pull of like going as fast as you can, but not so fast that you can't stay you know, on the task at hand and actually get it done so that you can get to the next place. Cause for me in, in various forms of my life, that's a, a struggle, but for an entrepreneur for sure. at the helm of a company, even more so.
1: And that's, that's very interesting. Um, is something I think about a lot. Um, it, it I think ultimately a lot of what a company, a company is about people, mm-hmm. right. And, and the team that we have here, particularly, is focused on um, doing things to a very high standard. Mm-hmm. And so we lo- we spend a huge amount of time uh, understanding our users. And when we build things, we try and do it in a much more... Um, I, I would sort of equate us more to like a, a sniper trying to hit the target than um, just somebody trying to spray and pray mm-hmm. with uh, a shotgun. And um, so... One of the things that I think, you know, we're, we're all focused on is we're all focused on building something impactful Mm -hmm. aside from building something huge or building something, you know, immensely profitable. We, we believe the best, the most, uh, our best chance of reaching that successful, fast growing, profitable company Mm -hmm. is by trying to be the damn best. Mm -hmm. You know, we never stop trying to make our product better or trying to see different ways we can serve our users. We're far less focused on, um, how we can extract value from our customers and more focused on how we can provide value to them. Mm -hmm. And that will surely translate into them paying for it.
0: And is there like an end goal that you have in mind for this product or this company? You know, is there, yeah,
1: I want to build a sustainable business. I want to build a business that people, um, almost feel like they can't do without, right? right? There are probably those products which you use um in your daily life. There's mm-hmm. I mean, on a consumer perspective, there's all sorts of things like Facebook and Instagram and things like that. Where it's really quite hard these days to imagine life without these products. Mm-hmm. I want us to become for the clients we serve an essential piece right. of what they're doing, yeah. like the operating system for their marketing teams. Mm-hmm. I want us to, you know, save them time and allow them to be more focused on what they're doing. And actually one of the things that's interesting that I think has changed about how I view our business from when we last spoke, like I think I looked at our business a lot more in feature and product terms Whereas these days, so many of the conversations we have are just about people. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to our theme of growth in China, the growth has left us in this situation where the industries have grown faster than there are enough people to work in them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you look at um, marketing, which is the one we, we focus on, you know, where have all of those people who are creating content and um, managing these accounts come from? Because 10 years ago, there weren't the marketing degrees in China. Mm-hmm. And still many of the graduates I talked to, their parents made them study accounting or finance or something they felt would push them into a sustainable, uh, you know, profitable career. And so we have all of these relatively young people who are getting promoted faster than they should be, mm-hmm. who don't have the mentors to help them develop mm-hmm. um, above them and around them. And so you've got this industry that is really... Um, struggling from lack of talent and the wages are rising to try and um you know attract what little talent there is and so people are constantly moving around we see the average time that somebody's working on any one particular brand is like four or five months mm-hmm. you know through our system and you think with that rapid turnaround how can you really get to know something right. how can you do something of value especially when you're looking at you know we we call our, our kind of the most, our marketing executive, most common user. We call her Catherine, it's just a name we gave her so we can help think about her, that persona.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And we've on average, she's maybe 23 to 25, maybe a little bit older. She probably doesn't have a marketing degree. She probably has only a couple of years experience and she's kind of the front line of what your, what these, even the biggest brands in China are doing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, in this situation, like it's so much of what we're trying to do is not about pushing bits and bytes and stats and, you know, um, technical terms. It's all about people. Mm. How can we help, you know, maybe you as a, um, a manager for a Western brand to connect with your local team here to have a good two-way communication and also, to help your local team here to um, follow the best practices, how can we um, build trust in those relationships mm-hmm. because our product is not trying to definitely at this point we're not trying to replace human effort or um really you know make people redundant necessarily as to try and make the whole team affect more effective and um, more, build more trust and mm-hmm. communication, which is particularly important when you 're dealing with Cross cultures, cross time zones, cross languages.
0: Yeah, when you when you were saying that, um, and I, you know, I, I pick up on that as well. I mean, there's so much turnover in in industries here and staff, and but what, you know, when you were saying it, I was thinking, well, why is there so much turnover, right? And most of the time, it's because people get a better deal elsewhere and they go, right? But if we zoom back out to the kind of big picture we were talking about you know, and you, you use the example of China, it could be used in, in other places, but where this kind of just, you know, uh, blindfolded, uh, running toward the future without a clear destination, but with motivations in mind. And in this case, motivations just being more right, more money, yeah. more productive, more production, whatever. Um, you know, that is the cause for the things that we were discussing before, you know, and, and this is kind of why I asked if there was a an ultimate goal in mind for the, the company because I think that's a, you know, and again, kind of going back to the big picture and the, the personalized component of our discussion we've been having. If you don't, you know, know your motivations, if you don't have a kind of underlying philosophy for what you're trying to achieve, then the the, the default in our culture globally is just acquire more, right? Like get more stuff for yourself. And if that continues to be the case, It's hard to imagine that it won't play out in the way that you, you described, where, you know, if more people are operating under the same motivations, then at some point there's going to be a resource crunch and, and, you know, weird things happen. Alternatively, you know, if, if, and this is why I think there's a lot more interest in personal development lately, even within company cultures and stuff, like trying to align with something other than just getting more you know trying to align with work that you find meaningful you mentioned that you know you more and more realize that your company is about people connecting people and communication and you know that's such a huge thing for me as well it's part of this podcast part of other work i do just connecting with people and communicating genuinely and openly i mean it's not only super satisfying but it It allows for so much greater cooperation, you know, on an equal footing and to to work together to achieve things that would be hard and that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, so that's why I was asking the question. But do you think there's any hope of that changing? Because in China, that the kind of go get more has been such a strong motivation for the last several decades, right? And, again i get it because they were coming from such deprivation like it's hard to tell a group of people like whoa slow down you know like the western world is starting to um uh you know kind of come to their senses in terms of like material acquisition of things being the number one important thing in the world you know it's hard to tell people that have never had those comforts that same thing so you know, how do you see, see that from your angle, where you're the head of a, you know, you, you manage staff and things like that? I mean, is, is, is the turnover issue, for the same reasons, a big problem for you here?
1: No, turnover isn't a big problem. And so why, why is here. that, do you think? Um,
0: is it the culture you've created? Is it the common I think goal? it is a little
1: bit of a culture. I would say everybody in our company really gets on well and enjoys working together which is incredibly important. And I think, you know, talking again about ways we've changed in our time in China, Mm. I think I've come to realize how important that is, how important it is to be, um, a pleasure to work with in some ways. Like as much as you are trying to get things done, there are definitely, um, unnecessarily difficult ways to get things done. You can have, you know, good relationships and deal with challenging topics and, and have discussions and things like that. And, um, we don't really have much politics in our team. We get on well together.
0: And has that changed since the first time we spoke? Like, do you have less turnover now? Has it always been that way?
1: Um, it's not always been that way. Um, we definitely hired a few people earlier on who maybe just didn't really fit the team. Yeah. And so they, they didn't stick around so long. But these days we're a lot more careful. Like that's almost, you know, it's a huge part of when we do hire somebody new. We look at like how is this person going to get on with the other people in the team, yeah. and how are they going to have productive relationships? We definitely had a couple of people who um, don't work with us now who just didn't have productive relationships. Yeah, we didn't have lunch together. We didn't, you know, go for a beer sometimes. We didn't chat about things, and
0: so I'm just here to plug in and pl- just and here punch to plug out. in, yeah. and, and
1: like their productivity was way lower. Yeah. I would say also the team these days they generally look at the world in a similar sort of way. Like everybody is very motivated by trying to build an awesome product. Right. Um and
0: which is encouraging in terms of the conversation we've been having, right? Where it's not only what do I get for myself? It's what am I contributing to creating? You know, right? we
1: had a culture session or well, like a kind of a um, a mission session earlier this year for uh-huh. the company um, just to kind of you know, it's good to do these things every now and again these check-ins and realign kind of where you're going yeah. and the really positive thing for me that came out of that is we we kind of had to list out uh, the companies that we found inspiring in the world mm-hmm. and generally everybody shared similar kind of inspiring cases, yeah. like we were inspired by companies like Tesla. WeChat, and, uh, WeChat yeah. yeah, potentially people like Tesla yeah. and Companies like you know, thirty seven signals where they've just focused their entire efforts around building an incredible product. Mm-hmm. They do it in a very open way. They really they talk about the way they build products and how they try and serve their users. And their motivation. And they're for also doing unafraid so so. to do things a little bit differently sometimes. Right. Which is something that I think I definitely try and Communicate to the team as well, just because another company's done this or somebody else is looking at it this way. Like, it's about us understanding our users right. and like us, and us looking at what we think is like an unserved need or an underserved need. And how can we be the ones to solve the pain point mm-hmm. that these um, people are having? I think one important thing, which, um, and this is like a big topic, um, and it's especially kind of relevant to us as a SaaS business, but, we are, we're very different to a service business. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a, a developer or a, um, an account manager or something working in uh, a web development agency or a marketing agency or something like this, your main goal is really to serve the client and to do really what the client wants. Right. But here in, we're in a SaaS business where actually, um, it's not about doing what the client wants. It's about trying to understand the client's needs and build something that they will buy. Right,
0: but don't necessarily know that they want. Don't
1: necessarily know that they want. And we're not being told by any individual user that they need this feature delivered by this date. And that, um, in terms of building something to a quality standard, that's incredibly powerful because Mm -hmm. hopefully, you know, we should be the experts in how to build this product. Mm We should be the experts based on, you know, hundreds of hours of user research and demos and pitches and conversations. We should be able to consolidate all of that into, um, a very tight feature set that, that we think serves our, um, customers well. And the benefit to the customers is that they are getting something that is based on, um, research and knowledge and understanding much bigger than just their case. You're mm-hmm. getting best practice from across dozens of com- companies built into this product that you're paying for. And maybe it doesn't have the exact feature set that you think you need for your business, but you're getting, you know, it at a price, which is far less than you could, um, you would pay if you wanted to build this for yourself. Right. And you're also, we've published 300,000 posts onto Weibo. If you start using our product today, you're getting a product that has been tested across 300,000 posts. We know we found 500 bugs that have already been fixed. And we look at our product in a very different way. We look heavily at robustness and things like this. We're not just um, there trying to meet some deadline or please some um, specific client need. And it's a very different culture. And so I think that's one of the reasons why the team is a little bit tighter and then less stressed where they don't have huge overtime or anything like this. And if we need to do put some significant engineering effort in to build something the right way, then we generally try and do it the right way because we know that um, a couple of days saved today can cost us weeks yeah. further down the line. There's so many cases where if you do a search inside our system right now, you don't get stats with that search because we made that decision to structure the data that way. We mm-hmm. didn't put the stats into that search index.
2: Right,
1: And you, you think when you're solving these problems later on, it's far more painful mm-hmm. <laughs> than if you just take those couple of extra days. Yeah. Um, And what we've actually done over the last three years is we've built up a really good way of working together and a good understanding of how to build products. So, if I mean, we have this board here in our office, and on the back side of that board is um, us, our product development schedule for the next few weeks. And for the last, I would say, two or three months, we've generally hit most of the deadlines we've set for ourselves, yeah. which is not because we've been pushing at the last minute to crank something out. It's because we have a good understanding of
0: how to build product. Right. So given... Given that and there's one you triggered a thought in my mind actually, maybe I'll I'll go there first, but you know, we, we kinda started on on that road of, you know, why why does cable have less retention in your or better retention in your experience, right? We only um,
1: have a team of nine, nine. Sure. Sure, but still,
0: <laughs> you know, and, and part of that was, you know, people want to build something that they believe and they're passionate about. And in the previous conversation we were talking about, you know, woe <laughs> is the world and how are we gonna turn this ship around. It made me think, you know, even though of course everybody still has a component where they're thinking about money and lifestyle and actually we were talking about this again before we started recording I want to come back to that in a second but isn't it great I guess that you know people you know the companies big companies that really shape the the mindset of so many people like Tesla and like you know these companies that are tackling huge problems doing it with a kind of humor doing it openly you know and not you know trying to ward off everything and keep it for themselves, but trying to kind of share it with the world to really make impactful change. Isn't it great that more and more people, um, if they engage in something like that, that's personally meaningful for them. If they are concerned about the environment, for example, and they join a company that's making, you know, fill in the blank, that's, that's beneficial for an environment or changing an industry for the better. Isn't it Great that when you align with that, your productivity and the energy you bring and your engagement in that work is so much better. Absolutely. You know, so yeah, is yeah, that yeah. not like one of the really positive aspects of this, you know, potentially turning this, this ship around that if and when people align with work that they find meaningful, that they believe in their quote unquote productivity or, you know, their just general ability to transmit their energy into actual um, benefit and value in the outside world is enhanced.
1: Absolutely. So if we get,
0: you know, more people doing that, then that's a very strong case for maybe being able to, you know, turn that that ship around.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're you're winning me over. It's not as bad as I thought it was. (laughs) I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I really hope that we do solve many of the um, immense challenges facing um, the planet and sure. society. Well, I would hope But, you know, so. <laughs> talking talking about the the change that we've seen in China in yeah, the last yeah. few years, I don't know how many years you've been here. But Five, yeah. I've been here ten, and I've seen so much of that change seems to have such a dark side to sure, it. Sure, sure. That while in the West, as you were saying, that a lot of the shift has been towards greater sustainability and people generally seem to be more focused on the value they deliver rather yeah. than um, financial gains in china i I feel like almost it 's going the other way at this point yeah.
0: i mean it there 's so much momentum in that direction here that 's real tough to stop my and again we 're all kind of uh influenced by the people we spend the most time with you know my my own opinion on that is the younger the people are, the more they 're in tune with with a different motivation than just you know. Absolutely push it out and agree. get the, mo- the get the most out of it and that's encouraging it's um, just
1: whether or not we can be patient enough for, to wait for those younger people to become
0: sure sure and and you know the human condition seems to always be things are things change at the last hour the final hour you know like we're not sufficiently motivated <laughs> sounds unless like how i write conference talks. <laughs> <laughs> you know we're not sufficiently motivated unless there's real consequences on the table because yes. otherwise we can just brush them aside and say oh it's not a big deal and it's not until yeah. it's the ninth hour you know or the final hour
1: the interesting thing is that um i think that that way of thinking only really works if people are aware of the impending consequences sure so i don't know if you know about But the, that's
0: why it doesn't happen until it's obvious of what the 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 consequences are right because they're obvious now to sorry to interrupt but they're, they're for people that are interested in this stuff you you know me probably you as well who kind of Try to have their finger on the pulse of like what the fuck is happening here? We're probably like shit, you know. Like something needs to be done. Yeah. But for most people that are in their day to day lives, you know, what you know, all the struggles and stresses and da, 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 in, involved in that, it's easy for them to block it out because eh, it looks mostly normal. I mean, nothing's—it's not impacting me too much. I go to the grocery store and get food. Da, da, da. So you're right. Education is a huge component. Um,
1: I mean, so I don't know if you know the organization Green Initiatives. Heard of them, yeah, I know they're around. They do some great work organizing film nights and things like that. And I was particularly moved by one of their film nights I went to, um, earlier this year. They filmed, um, they screened the film A Plastic Ocean. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen it, or if anybody listening hasn't seen it, I highly recommend you watching that film. Mm -hmm. And that for me was a particularly concerning environmental problem. With things like air pollution and, um, uh, lots of other things, around us, um, I feel like we, we kind of see, we are in some way exposed to the consequences of our actions.
0: Being in China, you mean
1: Be, being, being anywhere, anywhere. The thing that concerns me about plastic in the oceans is that we're not really exposed to that. Right. Like we don't live in the ocean. Right. It's a place we go snorkeling in sometimes, and yeah. you could actually go snorkeling in some really beautiful places and not really see mm-hmm. how, chronically polluted the oceans are becoming
0: well it's out of sight out of mind and there's
1: also it's very hard like with with air pollution um it's very you can kind of you're already seeing a a business case you know there's so much money going behind um solar panels and green energy and we're seeing countries which are now entire countries running on green energy Mm -hmm. um as the majority whereas with the oceans and this type of pollution i just don't yet see the same business case yeah. to drive money behind it right there's nobody going out there and harvesting this plastic waste right. and turning it into something that we can use yeah and so um it, it's situations like that where we do really need this greater sense of responsibility mm-hmm. and i feel like we need a, a realigning of our moral compass mm-hmm.
0: um, and i agree and i think like you said education is step one you know if you don't if you're not considering an issue if you're not even aware i mean how many issues are we not aware of probably a lot you know yeah. we we consider ourselves to be you know probably well read and well informed so we know what's yeah. happening in the rainforest and the oceans and this yeah. kind of stuff but there's probably a, oh, there's tons a dump, of yeah. issues that we have no idea Thousands, about yeah. and so therefore we can't care about them because we don't know about them yeah. and so that's you know that's why education is such a huge um, education and awareness is probably such a huge component of this. And
1: actually, you know, that's one of the things that even though we, at KWA, we run a, um, a SaaS platform that helps brands with their social media, I still feel like there's so much positive we can do, Yeah, you know, in the way that we... Um, communicate our message in the way that um, like the things we talk about within our team, I like to think we're able to have a positive impact. Mm-hmm. We offer free accounts on our platform to any NGO or not for profit business oh, really? that is, yeah, because we oh, want incredible. to, yeah. we want to, like we have people like the Bill Gates foundation uses our platform. Really? Um, uh, Jack Mars foundation also uses KWO to uh, manage their social. And so yeah. green initiatives as well. Mm-hmm. And we set them up and any other, um, not-for-profit that wants an account, just reach out to yeah. us and we'll set you up. But you know, just because we are building a business in this area, yeah. that doesn't mean that we can't have a greater impact in other areas course, and spread yeah. the message. Yeah. You know, in, inside the team, I feel like we encourage each other to be healthier, happier, yeah. like we create a supportive environment. Yeah, um, and
0: yeah I, I, I think that's the new way of running a company, you know it, it has to be that way because if not all these issues that we've been talking about will get continue to be ignored or even made worse right but if and you know the reality is if you, you still have you know we live in a in a society in the market system where you have to provide value people have to pay you for that and it has to be self-sustaining you know yeah. in in most cases and but I think it's fantastic that, you know, motivated and passionate people like yourself, you know, like so many other, you know, people that we speak with these days are finding ways to inject into that organism, you know, the, the company, um, ways that they can have an impact beyond their bottom line that addresses some of the things that they're concerned about or addresses some of the things that they want to see in the world. So for you offering these free accounts and, you know, we talked about mental health at the beginning of this show and a little yeah. bit before making sure, because at the end of the day, it's all about the individual. As, in, And I don't mean to say, like, everyone should just free-for-all, uh, each one for themselves. What I mean is that The world that we get as a collective is down to the decisions we make as individuals, right? So, you know, if one person litters, you say, oh, it's not a big deal. If 5 billion people litter, then the the world is full of garbage. So it's all down to the decisions we make. And if you can influence the people that you spend the most time with, which is the people that you work with on a day-to-day basis, if you can help them be healthier, be happier have better balance have you know allow them an avenue to express you know challenging emotions and these sorts of things then you just get better people and you can use a company as a conduit not only to create value which is yeah. is fantastic as well but to create better people and those Absolutely. better people go out into the world and have better interactions and impact it in a more positive way and
1: So I kind of almost find it interesting that you asked me this question before about what is the goal mm-hmm. with because if that sort of makes it sound like there is some end destination that we're heading for, mm-hmm. but our goal is to continue to do what we do, mm-hmm. which is try and be the very best at um, the very best software for managing marketing mm-hmm. inside a company in China and to continue to do that with great people to build a profitable, sustainable business that mm-hmm. has impact across thousands of companies. Yeah. And a lot of that is about the journey. Sure. I remember my first boss here in China talking to me about as much as he made a lot of money in his time, he said that like that end goal of being rich was nothing compared to the actual enjoyment of the journey right. of getting there. And how and
0: often do you hear that these days? Yeah. No, my, my point is I think more and more people feel that way, you know, and who, who was it? uh Oh, I, I think I saw a quote by Jim Carrey recently, and he's been saying a lot of uh interesting things lately. But, you know, he said, I wish everybody could be rich and famous so they could see that, you know, the emptiness in it, basically. Yeah. And again, I like material goods and I have no problem accumulating them. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I, me personally i 'm a fairly minimalist sort of person, but i 'm yeah. not against you know, you know I think it 's nice to have the f- things you know and to use them to enrich your life. but I like the idea of lessening the impact that the, that the, your acquisition of those things has on the world and when I asked you that question in fact you know i didn 't mean it as do you guys have an yeah uh, we an exit, to sell, like, we an, like to an exit or, or something like that, I meant yeah. like is there because we were talking about how most companies just operate basically on Uh, various forms of greed, like keep going, keep acquiring, keep growing, and what I was trying to get get to is: is there an underlying motivation beyond that that pushes you forward? And you just answered it, right? You, you you know, it is that motivation to do these things, not necessarily an end goal, but to continue, uh, on the journey of doing that thing, those things, and and doing them to a greater extent, probably as you go forward. We absolutely
1: want to do it at scale. We absolutely like. I would love us to be the number one um, player in this market. Right. Um, and I see no reason why we can't be in that um, situation. We're fortunately not in a winner takes all market. Right. You know, we're not in one of these Facebook sort of Instagram type yeah, situations yeah. where there's an 800 pound gorilla. Um, but uh, ultimately I don't want us to, um, compromise, our principles in order to get there. Mm-hmm. Like if there's, yeah. if there's something that some other company is doing, that's allowing them to you know, grow more exponentially, but not do it in a way that is really building an awesome products and yeah. delivering value to their customers. Then I don't want to go to work and be part of that. Sure, I and want what, to be, I want to come to work and feel proud of the work that we do.
0: And, and what's great about that is we're living in a, and a- any of these statements could be torn apart from various angles. But I think it's, it's not too, too much of a stretch to say we're living in a time where there's, incre- there's more and more transparency because of social right. media, because of, you know, anyone can be a broadcaster. Anybody can be whatever. Anyone can capture video with their iPhone. Anybody can get their opinion heard on Twitter or WeChat or Facebook or Weibo. Um, and I th- so I think more have-
1: transparency, but less authenticity.
0: I think more transparency brings more of everything, right? So I don't know if there's less authenticity, but there's, there's probably still a lot of counterbalancing things that are non-authentic. We published non-authentic, an awesome right?
1: article on our um, WeChat account this week that one of um, my team wrote about this trend of um, sang sangcha in China. What's I don't that? know if you know, know about this. There's this incredibly popular brand of tea called Haiti. Hey uh-huh. and all of the uh, young flock there and there were multi-hour queues Yeah, too. I've seen these. And, and online there was this kind of um, reaction to this where people talking about the actual realities of their lives yeah. and, um, and this has since become kind of a, an online trend that was um, captured by um, a few different um, a couple of different brands and this this idea that the the young people are getting tired of um, these over idealised lifestyles they're being presented with mm-hmm. in advertising and in the media, sure. while their own lives seem like a, a, such a grind, particularly in urban cities where they're commuting, working long hours, right. you know, rising rents, all of these things, and yet that all of the media and everything that they're seeing is suggesting that everything else out, everybody else's life is perfect. And if you buy this product, your life is going to look like that. And there's kind of been this reaction against that Mm -hmm. and that, you know, brands are now being encouraged to be more authentic, Mm -hmm. to not show some overly photoshopped, glossy idealized vision of what somebody using your product looks like, but something more genuine. And that seems to be having more of a connection with.
2: Yeah.
0: And and this uh, is, this is kind of what I'm hinting at. And I'll, I'll put this on the table before the forthcoming comment and say, I am an idealist, right? Because I, what's the alternative is kind of what I think in my head. But when you say like, you know, marketing companies and such are encouraging brands to be more authentic, you know, the first word that pops into my mind is like, well, fucking of course. Like just, (laughs) you shouldn't be involved in businesses where you have to hide stuff, you know, be what it is. Now, I know know, it's more complicated than that, but 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 then
1: that's, you're on a level of thinking. You know, going back to this whole problem we talked about in the industry where there are just not enough people with the requisite skills and experience uh-huh. to do the jobs they find themselves in yeah. to a level of sophistication, you are above and beyond that level, right? You mm-hmm. get that. But then a lot of these teams are not thinking like that. Yeah. And they, they're they not, like, there's not this.
0: Well, sure, they want it. what? What can we project to the outside world what can we hide and how does that facilitate the growth of and of our business right in the acquisition of. i gave a talk
1: about this um at a conference last week about how so many people particularly in marketing industry and this applies to lots of other industries too are very focused on what's the latest newest thing they can do is it vr is it ar is it 3d printing is it live streaming is it on wechat is it mini programs or something like that yeah and in this constant chase to find the newest thing to pitch their client or to show to their boss to please them, they're forgetting about the fundamentals of understanding their customers, mm-hmm. connecting with their customer mm-hmm. in a genuine message that makes their customer feel bought into that brand. Yeah. It's not just about going to grab the latest trick. You, you need to get the basics in place first. Yeah.
0: And and that applies to so many areas. I mean, in particular, let's t- take podcasting for an example. When you first get into this medium, you can visit all the you know people direct you to these main sites where you get all the resources, what mics to buy, and da da da. da. And it all becomes so much about growth hacking. How do you like get more customers? How do you right. get your newsletter, your email list, and all that kind of shit is established? and it becomes so tactical it yeah. becomes so like oh if you do this you know i got a real good hit i got a thousand more downloads from here da, 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 da. and you know i guess
1: anything the last three years has taught me is there are no back doors there are no
0: yeah you're either there are good only and, snakes, genuine, no and people find you interesting a certain <laughs> yep. maybe a small market maybe a bigger market yep. and that's great or you're fronting and yeah. you're just trying to you know, and know, some point you'll be exposed. yeah exactly so yeah. i guess that's what i meant when i when i said i think look the when when i say things are becoming more transparent i guess what i actually mean is just that uh more voices are entering the discussion right everyone has a channel of media now that can access people across the world on, at scale so you're going to get the good with the bad with that you're going to get trolls and riffraff and donald trump and all this kind of stuff but Luckily, on the other side of that, you're gonna get, uh, people that, who are genuine, who are, are motivated by positive, beneficial, good change, and who they also have a voice now. So then it's just a matter of, where are people gravitating? Which voices are they listening to? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah. so you're still gonna have the good and the bad, but at least we're not 30 years ago where it all came from, ABC, NBC, you know, in different countries, just the the TV, radio, and and, and yeah. newspaper. Now it's it's more open, and I, you know, that's having an impact. I don't think any of us can really uh, understand how that's going to play out, but I think it's it's good, right?
1: I mean, I can't wait for some kind of uh, contraction or slowdown in the market here, where people are really forced to refocus on actually being good, yeah, and actually really. Being effective and maybe not just relying on this rising tide lifting all the ships. People have to
0: be incentivized for the for action, right? And so, thus far, maybe being good hasn't been properly incentivized. Now, certain companies, maybe yours included, is either tacitly or, or, you know, kind of under the surface incentivizing this, but maybe that's one of the benefits of this transparency, right? Because if people know more, if, 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 if things are more transparent and people are more able to see when you're being good and when you're not being good, then it becomes a real bottom line consideration. And we've, I mean, you're in the social media space, you know, when, when people make a social media faux pas and they, you know, they fuck up, they reveal something that maybe they shouldn't have, then millions of people like boycott the product for a period of time or do whatever. So, you know, maybe that's a way that good is becoming incentivized. Whereas before, maybe that that couldn't have played out in the same way.
1: One of the things that actually I find, um, a bit upsetting about, um, so we're in the, we're in the B2B, um, the enterprise SaaS space. Mm And, one of the things I find a little bit upsetting about this space is um, it's actually not necessarily the best products that seem to win the market. Is it ever? It's. I think it is much in more case, in either. the in the small uh, the B to small B space. Mm-hmm. You look at Basecamp, you look at Mailchimp, you look at these other products. It's very much the thing that made those companies successful was their product. The product. I mean, Mailchimp even today you don't have a single salesperson, right? Uh-huh. In b to b that's not the case. Like in enterprise, it's all about your sales, sales process mm-hmm. and your sales team. And I see many, certainly in the West, many um, pretty shoddy products effectively sold right. rather than <laughs> uh, a good product. And so that's one of the things that I think since our last podcast has become a learning that I've had is yeah. that um, we have to have all sides of our business. Um, in check, right? We need to have a good sales team who I hope will work closely with our product team. And I hope we won't just be going out there into the meetings and I hope it will be, we'll be selling a good product. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I've thought about this before too. And I know, I know what you're saying. And on the one hand, if you're, My opinion is if you're a salesperson for something that you don't believe in or is a completely self-serving, of which there are so many oh, examples, yeah. then fuck you, basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, again, the positive side of this is if you're in a competitive market and you're a salesperson, and notwithstanding, skills and training are always going to be important. I mean, you need to be able to compete with that uber suave, sociable, extroverted guy who's out there shaking hands and making sales. But all things being equal, if you have that guy who doesn't give a fuck about anything, he just wants the money, or the commission or whatever, yeah. and you have someone who's, you know, equally talented and skilled and trained, but they have the energy of belief, yeah. the energy of belief in what they're doing. I mean, I have to believe, whether or not this is true, for my own, you know, sanity, I have to believe that those players on the left, the latter, win out because that, Energy that enthusiasm that they bring is infectious, right? Now, obviously, there's things that influence this, the size of organizations, sales, budgets, num- team, number of team members, all that kind of stuff. But do you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, those piece of shit salespeople that have dominated the world for the last, you know, yeah. however long, where it's just about getting the commission. I've worked with them, I've encountered them, and uh, I hate it. You yeah, know, there's nothing I hate being more, sold to as well. There's nothing more disgusting and disheartening and disappointing than just someone who's looking you straight in the face and and trying to sell you something that they don't want that they don't believe in they just, see dollar just signs so they, the they can get inside your pocket and get it like yeah. i mean and again maybe i'm kind of insulated in this own little world that i'm in but i'm i'm hoping uh, i would suggest that that is starting again to change also that that people want more to sell things that they care about Starting to change. I'm not saying it's the majority. I mean, we're still going to encounter salespeople that are just in it for, for dollars and yeah, cents, but. Mercenaries. But I just, I, yeah, mercenaries, exactly. But again, even if things aren't starting to change, like, I know if I was selling something, if I tried to sell you, you know, this cup versus something that I really believed in, you would feel the energy from me. For sure. You know? So you are talking about people who are more
1: out. evangelists for.
0: Yeah, for, yeah. For, yeah. Yeah, I absolutely
1: yeah. believe in that.
0: And is there anything? And that's, you can that's do? how I
1: hope we can sell our product as well. That you know, as we build our sales team, that it will be people who are genuine evangelists for what we're doing, yeah. and basically going out there and telling the stories. Yeah, that's definitely the situation we're in. We've, you know, one of the big shifts. I remember listening when I was listening to the episode yesterday. Of the podcast, just hearing how naive I sounded, thinking that our product was in any way ready for the market, <laughs> and how tough the last three years have been, realizing that the product is never as ready as we need it to be. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just I forgot what I was I forgot my. Well, train of thought, let me let me
0: put this in there. It may be that's why we've talked, you know, at length today about different. Uh, things you've done organizationally, culturally to try to, you know, inspire and, and cultivate the talent and the staff that you have here. But, you know, maybe that's why it's even more important than maybe most companies realize to cultivate the culture and to, to really communicate uh, the values and the objectives of what this organism is about to all the new people that come on board because then yeah. that and to belief, our as sure, well. of course, but then that belief empowers them to have that, uh, enthusiasm when they're doing their role, yeah. right? And so the, the, you know, and that's why I guess it's so important for the organization to know what those are, to yes. have those, the clarity around that and then the task of actually communicating that to people that they're, they're bringing on board.
1: One of the things I often feel like Is when I, it sounds, some of the things I find myself saying sound really cliche Uh and I don't know how to make people really believe that I believe those things. Uh Like when I talk about us being,
0: showing it as the only way, right?
1: When I talk about us being user led and really user focused, like I genuinely believe that like my passion personally is for talking to users and finding out like how we can build technology that works for them. Right. And I try and make sure that all of the engineers in our team spend time with our users. Yeah. Not just sitting there receiving some mockups and some spec for something that's going to be built, but they're actually sat there getting the feedback directly yeah. and feeling what it is they need to be doing in their jobs. And so in terms of trying to create a culture that builds a certain type of product, that's what I've really tried to do with our team. But then how do I say that without sounding Just disingenuous? There's another boss who
0: says that, right? You know,
1: even the companies that build a sucky product, they say yeah. the same thing. <laughs> yeah. So how do I differentiate us? Like, how do I really make that a genuine selling point for us? Well,
0: that's the word, right? I mean, for, and this is something personally I've been thinking about for a long time, but in being genuine is not so easy, right? Because so many people out there are fronting as genuine and they're not. I think so the ha-
1: only thing you can do is make your actions speak louder than words. So yeah, when I exactly. say we use a lead, you know, I always try and close that feedback loop. So when we sit there and talk to you for 30 minutes, an hour, understanding what you need, and then we actually build some of what we think you need. Yeah. I try and make it clear that, this product came from you talking to us. Uh-huh. That bug was fixed because you connected with us. Yeah. That need, like on Monday this week, we had a fantastic example. We just released this new uh, weekly reporting thing where every team can get a weekly report, you know, super high level of transparency and we just had this piece of feedback from a user, I think her name's Rose, and she said, I'd really like to be able to comment on different specific parts of this weekly report. That was on Monday last week, and then um, one of our team worked on the feature, and it was released on Thursday or Friday. Mm. And we were able, it felt really good to be able to say to her, look, you gave us this feedback on Monday, the there's change. the improvement, the change that we've made, like, does this work for you? Yeah. You know, What's the next thing we can do? And so, you know, in terms of authenticity, we're not just going there and standing up in front of the whole team and saying, we want your feedback, we're user-led, we genuinely are. Like when I go into an agency and talk to them about how we're going to help their team, I want them to, I want to back up the fact that I'm saying we're going to work with you to develop our product to support your team with actually doing that, yeah. with actually you know coming in and doing user research sessions, yeah. and this this is one of the challenges sometimes is that still so many people don't understand how good product gets built. They just expect that you should be able to go away and solve their problem without you spending the time to <laughs> with them to understand. Right. We did we did we had um, a guy did like eighty hours of user research for us earlier this year just on one specific part of our product. And there were some fantastic insights that came out of that. And that's a, it's a huge investment. It's a big effort. Mm -hmm. And I I hope that will pay off in terms of our product. You know, we are a subscription product. So if once you have started using it, I want people to, you know, feel that they, it does become part of their way of working and to see these changes and see us improving it for them.
0: I think organizationally and personally, it's, 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 it, it takes a certain, uh, a constant level of awareness to know when, you know, you're talking about not just paying lip service to these, these, these ideas, but actually acting them out. I think it takes constant awareness, um, to transcend or understand the degree that, you know, you're conditioning. So whether it's your conditioning in preparation for joining an organization or your personal conditioning and how to operate as a human being. Be constantly aware of that so you can actually show up and, and not just say those things. Yeah. But realize what you're doing, what you're not doing, and then try to orient, orient yourself more into, in the direction of actually being that person or yeah. that team or that organization that expresses those things. Yeah. Right? In the, in the actions. Um, okay. So two, two more things and I'll let you go. One, one is, I think you mentioned this. Uh, I don't know if we were on air when you when, we, when you talked about this, but w- like, where's Kwo at now? Like you mentioned, this year was extremely stressful, right? It was a, it was a stressful tough year. Me lots of work, maybe. Um, but think, you know, like you did you raise you raise money? We recently? raised some
1: money from um, Mailman Group, which is our uh-huh. kind of our parent organization, and that was a really. Um, positive validation for us right. like saying that we were such an essential part of their business that they wanted to see us continue to grow right um, i think it's been it's been stressful for me um, just trying to you know we now have this money in the bank that we need to spend on growing our product mm-hmm. up until the point that we raised this i think the the, the emphasis had very much been on Improving and building the product, which is something I was super comfortable doing. I've been Mm -hmm. doing it for, you know, 10 years. And now the emphasis is much more on getting that product out into the market and finding the other customers that could benefit from it. And so maybe one of the reasons it's been more stressful for me is because I've been a lot more out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. I've been a lot more um, meeting with the challenge of selling. software product in a very what's still very immature market Mm -hmm. you know we go along to many companies that we know would really benefit from what we're doing but they don't really understand the problem that we're solving for them Mm -hmm. and so we have a huge education challenge and then once you do have people kind of bought into how we're helping them you've then got to find the way for them to open up a budget line for software which they didn't have before you know their whole budget was assigned for ad spend or marketing or something else. And so there's still a lot, there's still a mindset here that maybe transparency is a risky thing as well. We see so many agency client relationships where there's a lot of tension in those relationships. Mm -hmm. We hear a lot of agencies talking about how clients in China are particularly demanding. Mm -hmm. A lot of clients talking about how their agencies, you know, trying to pull the wool over their eyes as a product, we are fundamentally well positioned to help solve those right. challenges, right. to bring these teams all onto the same page, mm. get them communicating better, make their lives more efficient, save them time and help them do a better job of understanding and communicating with customers. But then as a tiny team, you know, with still relatively limited resources, how do we educate the market? Where mm. do we focus those efforts Um and that's been, um, yeah, that continues to be a big challenge. I mean, we're making progress. We onboarded three new clients this month. Mm-hmm. And um, we've got plenty more in the pipeline for the coming months. But it's still, yeah, we're definitely not n- nowhere close to home and dry. We definitely need to still work out how to build this repeatable engine. Yeah, Because, again, you know, going back to why we're fundamentally different to a service business as a SaaS business, mm. you know, we... It, with, a, with a service business, you're going along to your customer and you're saying, What type of cake do you want? Okay, mm. you like Black Forest Gatto. I'm going to bake you an amazing Black Forest ghetto. Mm. It's going to cost you $10,000. The problem is, we've already baked the cake. Mm. Right. <laughs> we now need to go and convince you.
0: It's the cake you that, want. The, 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 <laughs> it's the cake you want. Yeah.
1: The benefit being is that you're theoretically getting a much better cake because right. it's been, it's been baked. worked on quite a bit. It's been worked on a lot, of a, research lots, a lot that. of research gone into that cake. Um, <laughs> yeah. but you cannot have it exactly to your specifications. Yeah. And so I think a lot of the the mindset here is particularly among bigger clients is about, they want it exactly sure. what they want. Yeah. And so like we would definitely be hurting our business if we tried to, You know, bend to the wind, cater to to, um, individual clients. Yeah. So we're trying to build a a, you know like an operating system for marketing teams
0: across the country. Mm -hmm. And this dovetails into uh, what we started to talk about beforehand. But you mentioned, or you know, we both referenced the first time we met uh, spoke three years ago. It's hard to believe it was three years ago too. I mean, I can't believe how fast time is going, but. Uh, nevertheless, we talked about <clears throat> why we liked it in China, right? You know, like the energy and there's so much going on. And, you know, you said after coming out of uni, you didn't see yourself kind of climbing the corporate ladder in the UK. It wasn't very no, exciting, I've... very slow moving. Exactly yeah. the same story for me. So you come to this dynamic market where there's, it's rough and tumble. There's nothing but yeah. opportunity, da, 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 da. Um, three years on, you know, and with, wisdom and uh life you know different aspects of our life changing we were you know we were kind of saying i think you asked me you know am i still liking it in shanghai and i said i do love this city but i'm starting to feel that i want some things that the city can't provide maybe that's the case i mean i'm
1: very torn in this respect you know i love what we're doing with this and i think this
0: before you go i think this would be great because for a lot of people over the next five years you know, a lot of people from the West are going to be coming to China because as the tech industry grows in particular. So I think this would be interesting to have this kind of retrospective of of you and of us where we've already been here for a while. And, and, you know, people that are coming into it now won't have the hindsight to look back and be like, oh, I wish it was like it was back then. And they just accept (laughs) it for what it is. And they get to comment on the changes after they've been here for five years. So go ahead. Sorry.
1: I mean, the... The good old days are definitely behind us, <laughs> right? <laughs>
0: but is that a personal thing because you've matured and you are at a different stage of your life, or is it because it's changed here? I think China's
1: definitely matured. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's it's not hard. It's probably to, a bit
0: of both, though, right? It's a bit
1: of both, yeah. but it's also not hard to see where it's going as well. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you see? I mean, just last week there was this news about how there's now facial recognition. Cameras at certain intersections yeah. to catch people jumping red lights and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. What we've I'm seen probably
0: all over those things. I mean, I just go right. through every yeah. red light. Me
1: too. Yeah. Um, that could well be my undoing. <laughs> <laughs> May not be another episode in three years. Um, I'll
0: come see you in prison.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, all of the restrictions and rules and things that we probably were seeing creep in mm-hmm. three years ago have just continued yeah. to get worse. You know, on the last podcast like we talked a little bit about how chronically difficult the internet was mm-hmm. to deal with. Okay. Well, we focus a massive amount on robustness. Mm-hmm. We believe that people perceive an error as much as a hundred times worse than they perceive a good thing you do. Mm-hmm. So we really optimize very heavily for errors in our platform to give people a better experience. That battle that we were having with errors three years ago only continues to get worse. Like if we had in place what we have in place now, we wouldn't have had any problems three years ago, but even now we still struggle on a weekly basis. I know for our CTO Brian, it's a major point of frustration that Mm -hmm. he constantly feels like not only are we trying to build something awesome, but we're constantly fighting this uphill battle of trying to keep the thing we have built working and effectively And so what in particular
0: clients. is causing that? Is this a firewall issue? Is this a...
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what's causing that? But all I can say is it continues to get worse. Uh-huh. The restrictions continue to get worse. We've seen new advertising laws right. on social media. Yeah. Like you can't use certain words to describe your product. You can't say you're the best at anything. Or like at least all claims you make has to be verified right you know there's been huge restriction in B industry we've seen restaurants closed we've seen street foods disappeared we've seen this this kind of maturing of china and becoming more organized and exactly cops you
0: know scooters being taken off the street policemen everywhere yeah Yeah. Yeah. you know in particular
1: and technology is on the side of the law enforcers you know mm. they more than ever have that assistance they can track you you know, wherever you go, yeah. whatever you do, they can build up a profile of you. Yeah.
0: Um, and particularly relevant to the industry you're in, but, and this, I don't think And came I, don't,
1: as I don't, I don't, I don't criticize China specifically. I think the UK is just as sure. bad. Sure. Countries like around the world countries are, are around the becoming world, a
0: little yeah. bit more, uh, and, word, and, and so, in certain ways. You know,
1: one of the contrasts I've seen is when I first came here, I just felt totally Free. insignificant.
0: Well, oh, I, I felt super like, Latin, you know, in Canada, where I come from, you can't walk, down, I think it's different in the UK, but you can't jaywalk Well, you can't walk down the street drinking a beer, right? Right. You, I was walking down the street drinking a beer when I was like 20 years old back home for Christmas. A cop car like screeches to a halt, pulls up next yeah. to me. Two of them jump out, get, it, get all up in my face, and they're yelling at me just to pour out the beer and put it down. And I'm just thinking like, oh God, my God damn, is this, the, is this the best use of your time, right? It's not like I'm causing a ruckus. I'm casually drinking a beer. Um, and so when I got here, you know, those sorts of things at the time Absolutely, were yeah. very, you know, you know, hands off. And same yeah. with, you know, driving around on your scooter. I mean, it felt very like, oh, wow, this, I feel pretty, pretty yeah. open and free here. And that's and starting I, I to change now. I
1: that more to being just… Like insignificant, I, I perhaps, didn't. Perhaps, yeah. I didn't feel like it was necessarily because there weren't. The, wasn't the desire to kind of stop me from doing sure. these things. It's just there wasn't the resource to yeah. stop me. And
0: I think what we're seeing now is a tightening of all those things. Absolutely, yeah. and especially if you're coming from an era where that wasn't the case, it's just not a nice feeling. You know, it's not a nice feeling when. You know, a cop makes you know stops you. Get you get off your scooter. You got to answer a bunch of questions. That kind of stuff. It's just not a nice feeling. But what I was going to say is, in particular to the industry you're in, I think we all uh, already kind of assume this. But I think it came out publicly a week or so ago that like all social media data from certain platforms was just. Like automatically shared or did you ever accessed. think that
1: wasn't the case? No,
0: that's so. That's why I say it. But it was just I think it came more to public awareness. Like it was a thing. Like people, yeah. you know, that that everything would just go into those coffers and could be accessed at any time. You know, and certain groups were like, all right, well, let's you know, call, let's calm down on the sexy stickers and stuff. We
1: like talked that. about this um, like three years ago as well. Yeah. We said that um, the the things that happen in the future are to a certain extent a lot of them are obvious. Uh-huh. I mean, sci-fi films are a great way. To look so, forward into so, the future mean, and see where yeah. we're going to get to. And, and this social media monitoring is just the first step on our way to mor- minority report, right? right. <laughs> like we're eventually <laughs> going to get there. That is not – I don't think there's any question that right. that's not going to happen. Right. Um, so enjoy it while, so, <laughs> while you So, so then – But going back to your question yeah, yeah. about, you know, how do I feel today about being in China?
0: Yeah. And, and i got to repeat the example you used because you said, you know, I went out to do some shopping, you know, a couple of days ago, and I, you know, went to the mall or whatever, and I didn't come back with anything. Yeah, you know, I just, just kind of like couldn't meh. find anything to buy. Yeah, um, I didn't really. I got the sense you you were kind of meaning like you didn't feel the need to add to that that adding to your life in that way wasn't really what was going to bring absolutely. you any level of yes. additional satisfaction.
1: Yeah, I guess I went out looking to buy something to make myself feel good. I had no specific <laughs> yeah thing in mind, and I came home. Empty handed. So yeah. the things that really do make me feel good and make me happy these days, I, I, I mean, our, like our company is a major part of that. Mm-hmm. I think three years ago when we sat down, I was not nearly as um, comfortable with the state we're at as I am today. You know, we have built something really good mm-hmm. and we continue to make that good thing better every day and it's going in a great direction. Like the stuff we have coming in the next six months is going to take us to a whole new level. We've had a fantastic year. I like our usage grows week on week. Um and I see that as an endorsement of this approach of listening to customers, building a product that helps people to do their jobs better and so they use it to do more Mm. of that. Um, I feel like we are finally starting to communicate about our company and our culture and what we try to do. And I feel like I start to see people who kind of I start to see that message resonating with people and they're going, yeah, yeah, you're talking about a problem, solving mm-hmm. a problem that we do have.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, so where's my life at right now? Work wise. I love it. Like mm-hmm. we have a great team. I love working with them. And, uh, I, I see us going in a great direction from a personal perspective. Yeah. I, I'm a, like I live to ride my bike <laughs> and that is definitely, um, difficult. Mm-hmm. There are some fantastic places to go and ride your bike in China, but on a day to day basis, just, you know, scuttling around the city yeah. is, doesn't really fulfill me. Like I'd love to in the next 10 years, live somewhere with some mountains and right. grass green and, and green fields and, and some clean air, just get
0: naked and run through those things. May,
1: <laughs> may well do so
0: yeah i mean i yeah. I've, I've
1: often i mean i don't think it's any secret i've said that this is my last act in china right you know what we're doing is, right now is there
0: a i mean i know this is potentially sensitive for you but is there you know anything that would would trigger that you know to be like you know what i'm, I'm you know maybe that's expansion of, of cable globally and you could operate in in other jurisdictions or uh, you know
1: i don't think so i mean we're a chinese social media um, marketing platform. So we're yeah. going to be based in China, focusing on China. Yeah. So that's like, this company is not going to take me elsewhere. Um, I think the only thing that would kind of bring about an end to what we're doing right now is if it stopped being what it is I love about it. Right. You know, if we, if it did, if we did fundamentally change as an organization or, um, and I don't, I don't see that happening. Right. Like I think we're going to continue on this, uh, trajectory that we've been building for. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's just whether or not I can find ways to be happy and Balanced healthy, happy and healthy on a, on a daily basis in yeah. Shanghai.
0: I mean, for, for me this year, it was super important to, to get out of uh, Shanghai at least four times, which is a lot. I, my I mean, objective I guess, is once a month. Well, that's pretty good. But I mean, i sorry. I mean, out of the country, right? At least four times. So. Um, and that's more than, than in past years, but I just noticed over the, the you know, the last two or three years that, uh, or last couple of years, if I go, like, I, I had gone six months or even 12 months without leaving Shanghai, uh, I wow. get, I get this, like, you know, it builds up on you. It's a weight. Sure. And then, and then you notice the contrast of when you, and for me, Thailand is my, my spot. You know, I love going to Northern Thailand, doing some boxing, swimming in rivers, chilling out in, in the jungle and stuff. And, the contrast of that is so extreme and you go there and it, you know, a tar just falls off you. And I I just, for me, I I, I get this weight that comes off me and then I get re energized. And not that I, I'm not saying I want to live. I love the dynamism of Shanghai and the city. And, you know, I'm not as tethered here as you. If I wanted to leave, I would leave. You know, I'd leave tomorrow. I want, I want to be here for the time being, but I've realized that I need to, balance it in a better way so i can still get some of those things that i yearn for which is nature which is yeah. you know fresh air which is a more subdued pace that kind of stuff you know or you can say yeah but what um <laughs> i I, mean, I said tar and you're like
1: yeah. but i think you know going back to the thing we talked before about managing your own sanity and mental health mm-hmm. is you know, taking time off for sure and taking time away is an essential part of that. Yeah. And you should not feel guilty about it. Yeah. Um, and I like this year I, I went to the UK and I just, I rode from London to Edinburgh and I saw all my friends and family and it was just the most Amazing, incredible right? trip.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and it was like, I came back refreshed and yeah. re-energized Same and thing. I always say that but- like, for me, I'm such an obsessive person, uh-huh. and so the only way I really survive in Shanghai is by having two obsessions. I'm obsessed by work, mm-hmm. obsessed by cycling. When I'm sat at work, I may often look at you know bike news on the internet, right. and when I'm sat on my bike out in the you know the dis- far distance, I may often well, I spend a huge amount of time thinking about work. <laughs> right, right. And so it's only by having these things to balance. If I if I only had one obsession, I would be sure super unhealthy. No, I.
0: I I think obsession is good, but like you're saying, I think you need to be aware of the balance that's required to keep feeding them both. And, and, you know, kind of for me, I love the – or I think it's valuable and necessary even. If you're going to – you know, we've been talking about the social media world and the kind of crazy connectivity and transparency. If you're going to engage in that world, which clearly you are and I want to as well, I think it's very important to – know that you're to have that other perspective of um not being so connected so when i go to northern thailand in my case or when i go home typically for christmas or in the summer like i barely have my phone with me i don't check emails and that gives me the, the kind of comfort in when I'm in the matrix, so-called, to see, be in it so totally. And then to, when I come out, have such an appreciation for the world that's outside of that. Because you do get sucked into it, right? But with you,
1: cycling, I'm getting that three to five times a week.
0: Well, that's fantastic. Because, you
1: know, I'll get up at five in the morning, ride for a good solid couple of hours. Yeah. And throughout that time, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm yeah. not checking my phone. I'm not connected in any way well, that's at that your, point. And then when you get into the mountains at the weekend, it's to another extreme yeah
0: because you know. you're presumably working harder and you're just uh, surrounded by a more yeah, you're just focused on the task at hand yeah. which
1: is climbing that mountain yeah or, you know. so
0: i think you know be, because the connectivity and the, the the virtual engagement gets shit on a lot these days by people like oh everybody's always in their phones Definitely and stuff like that yeah. and i think you know like i think it's worthy of criticism if that's all you do if that's your only world if that's sure. the only place you get that satisfaction and a uh, sense of Community or whatever, yeah. but if you can balance it with the other one, then I think you have much more appreciation for engaging in both. Yeah, um, there's
1: one thing I'm conscious that we've not talked about today. What is that? Which really struck me um, when I listened to the last episode, which was we've pivoted the company, and I can't believe it's got to the end pivoted of the KWO. We've pivoted KWO since we last talked.
0: <laughs> give me the. Uh, I'll, give the, three the minute I'll give you the three-minute pivot story.
1: The three-minute pivot story. So last time we talked, it was a lot about. Um, uh, having translators, mm-hmm. and we we had tried to find this much lower barrier to entry, um, for foreign brands coming to China. Uh-huh. So just to summarize, at the time, KWO came out of an agency, and maybe the agency fees were, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a month, and KWO was aiming to deliver some kind of social media presence, but for only a couple of thousand dollars a month.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: We very soon, probably after that last, podcast, found that that business model didn't really work for a number of reasons. And so we stopped providing any kind of translation service at all. And we purely focused on being a software and technology business. Mm -hmm. And that has definitely worked well for us. It's allowed us to focus as a team. It's allowed our message to get a lot clearer and tighter and the product scope and the way we're building things. Mm -hmm. And also the whole industry has shifted at the same time. Those brands that a few years ago were looking for a one or $2,000 entry point into China, they now are far more invested and they have the money to spend on an agency or to hire their own team. And so they, they don't need that product that we were previously trying to build. They Mm -hmm. now need the thing we're building now, which connects those teams more transparently and, uh, effectively to their
0: media social media presence in yeah. China. Yeah.
1: Help cool. People to do business with people.
0: Excellent. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking now, like, I wonder if we'll do this again in three <laughs> years and what kind of things we'll be saying then or where we'll I be, look forward where to we'll though. be it's been really fun. It's been good catching up. Um, yes, it has any, before we go, I mean, do you want to direct, um, the audience anywhere? I mean, cable.com. Like rob <laughs> <than that. laughs> <Thank you, Mom. laughs> The, uh,
1: yeah, uh, everybody should go and check out ko.com and you should follow us on WeChat because um, one of the things we try to do with our marketing is we try to deliver value. Mm-hmm. We're not just telling you why our product is awesome. We just launched an awesome tool called Doncer, which helps you to turn a video into a GIF. So if you want to put that GIF in a WeChat article, or make a sticker of your friend. I
0: saw that. I'm going to play around with it.
1: That's a super cool tool. We have another free thing coming out soon, which lets you crop a WeChat photo Mm -hmm. for an article. We have constantly got uh, new pieces of content, which kind of educate and inform about changes and things happening in the industry yeah so
0: and and actually I in preparation for this I went onto your Facebook page and again I know a lot of the audience it won't be it may not be relevant but for those people that are helping foreign brands or are foreign brands and stuff like that that are looking into it you guys have started I think to kind of mess around with uh, live videos of presentations you're doing internally yeah
1: But even as, like, a startup, we talk about what we're doing as a startup, too. And it's a good place to get
0: some insights about what's happening here because there's still so much, uh, you know, for people that aren't on the ground here, there's still so much unknown about how things actually work. I mean, it's only now people are even uh, knowing what WeChat, that it exists. You you, You know, there's... You still go into Western markets, and they say, "What is WeChat?" You know, yeah. which is insanity to us. But just for those people that want a little bit more um, meat around how all this is working, the, the Facebook page has some videos and stuff like that that are good.
1: Yeah, and as a you know, as a young company, um, <clears throat> I I see lots of small companies being very careful about what they share and leading you know letting people know too much about their strategy and their plans. I'm not really at all afraid about that because our biggest competitor right now is an Excel spreadsheet. Right. And so I need there to be more competitors of KWO to help us educate the right, market right. and to help lead the way in terms of innovation. Yeah. And so we will happily talk to anybody yeah. about the challenges we see and the ways we're trying to solve them. Yeah. And hopefully we can learn something in the process.
0: Well, I uh, wish you the best on the next, uh, next couple job. of years. Um, I know I'll see you on the field at some point in the not-too-distant future. Yeah, I'm going to be back at FitFam fit soon. <laughs> workouts. Um, but yeah, I w- wish you guys all the best. I look forward to uh, to seeing how it develops. And uh, yeah, thanks everybody for listening. Thank you very much. All right, see you guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Tech in Shanghai podcast. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Tech in Shanghai for everything tech from Shanghai and China. See you next time.